gang out there. Lord bless you. Woo! You look good. If you got your Bibles in your car, get them out. We're going to get into the Word here. God wants to encourage us today. We're in Galatians chapter 6. Enjoy that worship this morning. Amen. I like this. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be, I'm going to read verses 7 through 10 to you in just a minute. But let's, uh, let's just thank God for the word this morning. Father, we thank you for being our God, no matter if we're inside, outside, alone, together, apart. You are Lord of all. And we thank you this morning for the word that's kept us and nourished us and fed us in times of crisis. Lord, you have proven your faithfulness to your people, and the power of your word knows no bounds. Father, we thank you this morning for what we're about to partake of. Let our hearts be ready and open. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you, you guys hear me in the back row? Praise God. All right. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. The King James says, let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while you have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen. What a powerful scripture today. Our first time getting together in months. And you might be excited today. I can tell by the beeps. I can tell by the, 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 the amount of volume that's coming out of those cars. It was such a blessing to see your hands raised as we were praising. Amen. I've been preaching to seats and the worship team for a long time, so it is good to see you today. But God wants to do something in the midst of our excitement today. And even though it's been months that we've been able to get together, the Holy Spirit wants us to think about something that might seem interesting to us right at this point. But what the Lord put on my heart and the message he has for you today is God wants to talk to his people about weariness. Say weariness. Without... We need horns to say weariness? Weariness. Weariness. Now, you might think, well, why in the world would we talk about weariness when this is the most excitement we've had in months? But the Holy Spirit knows the condition of the people of God. He knows the condition of the body of Christ. You know, in uncertain times, we're susceptible to becoming worn out, to becoming weary. In times of uncertainty, we can be overwhelmed, and many of us have been emotionally and physically, maybe even mentally exhausted. The human spirit doesn't do well with uncertainty, and yet the Holy Spirit knows the condition of the body of Christ. There are many people right now in the world. There are many people right now in the church. There are many people right now among the nations who have grown weary. Some of them are completely exhausted. Others are just about to give up. But God has encouragement for us today that comes from his throne, that comes from his heart. Today I want to encourage you. Today is a day of refreshing Today is a day of renewal. Today is a day that God wants to revive something in his people. 
weariness is something that all of us deal with at moments. Maybe going through this crisis, you were emotionally worn out. You were physically worn out. Maybe spiritually, you were hanging by a thread. But God has kept us because he's faithful. God wants us to be reminded of a few things today. Are you ready? He wants us to be reminded that he's still on the throne and the earth is still his footstool. Amen. He wants to remind us today that Jesus is Lord of all and he has the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess today. Everything will bow at the name of Jesus. Sickness, disease, cancer, COVID-19, all of it must bow at the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is still at work in the church. You say, but the church has been closed. Listen, you can't close the church of Jesus Christ. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The church was never closed because we are the church. You know that the church is not a building. It's not an auditorium. It's not an altar. It is the body of Christ because we have the Holy Spirit and the promise of God in us. We are still his children. We are still saved by his grace. We are still safe in his hands. Now, compared to what we've been through in the last few months, many generations have been through things that are much, much more difficult. Can I, can I hear an amen? We've been through just a little, but God has proved his faithfulness to us. Now, in Galatians 6, 8 through 10 that I just read to you, Paul is teaching the Galatians how to avoid becoming weary, and he encourages them to do some things that would refresh their souls. You see, we have to do the things that refresh us to avoid becoming weary. There's always a part for us to do as believers. What keeps our souls from getting weary? I see three things in our text, and the first one is this. We need to expend our energy in the right places. If you and I want to avoid becoming weary, we need to spend our energy. We have energy. Some of us have a little. Some of us have a lot. Some of us have uh, seemingly an unlimited supply of energy, and then some of us plot along. Come on. If you're over 50, do you know what I'm talking about? Amen. Well, <laughs> they're even slow to beep the horn. It took a long time to just get to the horn, but... You know, that energy comes and it goes. But what we have, we have to invest wisely. Look what verse 8 says. It says, sow to the flesh and you'll reap corruption. So if you take your energy and you sow it to the flesh, the, the word is very clear. You'll reap corruption. But if you sow your energy in the spirit, you will reap everlasting life. It is so clear. It is so simple. We can sow our energy in one of two places. There's not a million different places. There's not a million different varieties. It all boils down to slow, sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit. If you and I sow to the flesh, it will exhaust us. Nothing exhausts us faster than wasting our precious limited time pursuing empty and worthless things. Can I hear an Amen. These times have broken us down to a point where simplicity has once again visited our lives. And we see what's really important. The hustle and bustle stopped hustling and stopped bustling. And everything came to a grinding halt. And then we realize it's our time with God. It's our time with family. It's our time in prayer. It's our time in the word. That is the most precious thing. Is the most 
amazing thing we can do with our time is commune with the God of heaven and earth. So to the flesh or so to the spirit. We can exhaust ourselves by sowing in the wrong place. In Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 3, King Solomon of the Old Testament, he expressed the despair of his soul as he spent a lifetime in a relentless pursuit of empty and worthless things. <coughs> Solomon tried everything under the sun to satisfy his soul. His words are chronicled in Ecclesiastes 1. It says this, Hear the word of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labors in which he toils under the sun? Solomon was saying, I've exhausted every avenue and I've explored every means of pleasure and every means of wealth. And, and the conclusion of his heart was that it is all vain. It's all empty. It's all a chasing of the wind. Vanity of vanities. And you know, a lot of what we do in life, especially in a time where things become more simple, is proven to be vanity. You say, why is it that all the things, the many things we have to do in a day seem trivial? And I'll tell you why. Because many of the things we do every day are trivial. Think about all the time we spend doing things that have to be done but have no eternal impact on our souls. People get up and work jobs that they don't like to pay bills they should have never accumulated for themselves. Amen? <laughs> If, you, if you're working to pay bills, you're missing out on your life. God has a purpose for us. So if you're working to pay bills and you say it's a vain existence, the word of God agrees with you and this preacher agrees with you. How about all the time we spend maintaining our stuff? I think of all the grass I've mowed. I think of all the snow I shoveled. I think of all the clutter I've cleared. I think of how many times I've cleaned my garage and it's still a mess. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. A chasing after the wind. While many of us have to do a lot of things every day that don't seem to be very productive just because it what, it's what it takes to live and survive, the majority of what we do cannot be vanity. We have to invest ourselves in things that are eternal. We have to sow our lives and our time and our talent and our energy into the things that really matter. And they're spiritual things. The things that really matter are not things at all. They're relationships. And number one, our relationship with God. King Solomon exhausted every avenue. Don't spend your life chasing the wind. The conclusion has been given to us in Scripture. It's a waste of time. So expend your energy in the right places and you'll avoid becoming weary. The second thing that I want to cover in this text is this. If we want to avoid our souls from becoming weary, we have to continue doing good. Now the text says in verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Now people from New York always ask each other, how you doing? And what do we respond? I'm doing good, even if it's not true. And this how you doing question is more like a greeting but really, if we allow the Holy Spirit to magnify the truth of that question to our souls, how is it going with our spiritual lives? 
Are we continuing to do good? Or have we become so weary that we're worn out and now we're no longer in the race, no longer in the fight, but we're spectators? If we really want to be doing good, we've got to continue doing the good things that keep us spiritually healthy. Continuing to do good things means avoiding the I used to syndrome. Maybe you've never heard of the I used to syndrome. The I used to syndrome sounds like this. I used to serve. I used to attend. I used to be involved. I used to have a passion for the lost. I used to have a burden for the world. I used to care about the things of the kingdom, but not anymore. God has taken some time to refocus us and refresh us to what's really important. And the I used to syndrome has to go. You say, well, pastor, we've been locked up. What could we do? Listen, maybe we used to pray. We used to do devotions. We used to meditate on God's word. I hope in this time that you've rekindled and refreshed your devotional life. I hope in this time you have rekindled your prayer life. The church needs to begin to pray like never before. The church needs to be vocal about the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ like never before. You used to do all of these things. I used to share my faith. I used to have a burden. Father, I pray at this moment that we wouldn't used to do anything, but we do all the things that keep us from being weary. If you agree with that, let me hear your horns today. Hallelujah. <laughs> I used to, but not anymore. Holy Spirit, show us where we've given into that. You know, none of us need to become sedentary saints. But sitting in church for so long can do that. Now, we haven't been able to sit in church for a long time. So God has shaken us up and God has refocused us. But the word sedentary means settled, sitting, or physically inactive. And that's exactly what we're not supposed to be spiritually. I'm praying for fresh bread, for fresh fire, for a fresh revival in the body of Christ. Amen. We don't need pew potatoes. We don't need the frozen chosen. Amen. Don't become a lukewarm, critical, consumer Christian. There's too many of them out there. That's not a spiritual calling today. God wants us to be on fire and to, to lay our lives down for the kingdom because there are many people who are lost and hurting and they need someone to come alongside and to listen to them and to cry with them and, and to hear the brokenness of their hearts so that we can share the one who mends broken hearts. I used to but not anymore. Father, I pray that that would not be true of any of us. Verse 10, uh, skipping down here, it reminds us uh, that we should be looking for opportunities to do good. When the scripture literally says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Do you know we miss a lot of opportunities to do good because we're so busy and focused on other things? And the word instructs us, therefore, as we have opportunity, if you and I would begin to pray for opportunities to serve, to minister, to share our faith, I believe the Holy Spirit will open up doors and open up opportunities and create divine appointments for us like we've never seen before. I believe in my spirit that a great harvest and a great revival is about to occur and we can be part of what God is doing in the earth. Amen? Amen. Verse 10 also instructs us where we're to focus the good we do. It says, yes, we're to do good to all, but it says especially to those of that household of faith. 
Now, here's something that this scripture reminds me of, and it almost convicts me because in some ways I feel guilty of it, is we are supposed to be good to everyone. We know that. But we're supposed to be especially good to our brothers and sisters in Christ. If this time of separation between us hasn't proven to us the value and the beauty of the relationship we have as believers with each other, then I don't know what else will. But you and I need to take care of those in the body first. Now, I say I'm convicted because sometimes I'm thinking about the lost more than I'm thinking about the found. Because I know the found are going to be all right. And if you have Jesus in your heart and the Holy Spirit's in you, then I'm trusting God to be able to keep you. So I'm focused on the lost. But you know what? The scripture tells us we should be especially good to each other. Take care of one another. Don't neglect the gift that we have in each other. Amen. John 13, 35 says this. It says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The reason that we have to take care of one another and be concerned with each other and have patience with each other and reach out and fellowship with each other is because the way we interact with each other as believers is a proof to those who are on the outside looking in that Jesus changes lives, that something special happens when the body of Christ comes together. It's the proof. It says, by this they will know you are my disciples. Jesus is saying it's not your theology. It's not your flowery speech. It's not your spiritual power. It's not that you have great gifts. It's your love for one another. So love one another. The text reminds us, and I encourage you, Continue to call each other. Continue to pray for each other. Send words of encouragement to each other. As the body of Christ is strong, coming out on the other side of this, we're going to be able to do great exploits for our God. The third and final way to keep our souls from becoming weary is this, and I close down with this. We need to maintain our hope in the faithfulness of God. Hope is a powerful thing. Without hope, the human spirit is not able to survive. Nothing insulates us better from becoming weary and worn out than having our hope in the Lord. Now listen, hope all by itself won't do this because we can put our hope in wrong things. And the world around us, even in this season, has encouraged us to hope in a lot of things that are unreliable, and at worst, some of them are deceptive. There's been a lot of misinformation. There's been a lot of confusion out there. But listen to me. Uh, I'm not confused about one thing, that I can put my hope in Jesus Christ and the God of heaven and earth, and that he will keep me from the cradle to the grave till I fall into his arms. Amen. Verse 9, the latter half of it says, For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So we have to have our hope in God. You say, but when's God going to come through? In due season. You say, well, when is due season? I found that due season is usually just after I'm about to quit. I found that due season is just about when I've exhausted my own flesh. I find that due season is just a little further than my flesh wants to go. But listen, God is worth waiting for because we have no other hope besides him. Don't put your hope in other things. Don't put your hope in things that are deceptive or fragile or unstable. Don't put your hope in the systems of this world. But put your hope in God. And don't lose heart. Have faith. Because due season will come. The things around us are unreliable. 
The things around us are shaking. The systems of the world have been struck. And it's to sober us up. Yes, as the church, but also as those on the outside looking in. It's to sober us up to help us to realize that everything that around us is temporary, but the things of God are eternal. So have your faith in the eternal things of God. According to verse 9, we should have our hope in what we're going to reap. Our hope is in the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And as we serve him, we are going to reap a harvest. The harvest that we reap depends on what we sow. Seeds of faith, seeds of hope, uh, seeds of labor in the kingdom. Uh, We sow these things and they produce a harvest for us. Our hope has to be in God. Our hope has to be in Jesus. Now listen to me. I'm thankful for medicine, but my hope is in Jesus. I'm thankful for science, but my hope is in Jesus. I'm thankful for government that brings order to society when it's godly, but my hope is in Jesus. We need to let those who are confused know that they can put their hope in Jesus, that they can sow a harvest to reap into their own lives. Why should we trust Jesus? Because he's never failed, because he's always faithful, because he's true, because every man will be proven a liar, but God's word will be proven true. I believe that our due season is coming. I believe that our due season, you say, well, pastor, what does that mean? I believe our due season is coming for those who have clung on to the hem of his garment. He is about to come through in big ways. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what the financial accounts look like. I don't know what the job propositions look like, but I want to rally you today. I want to encourage you today. Put your hope in the Lord because he's about to do great things for his people to prove that he's God. He's about to do great things in the hearts of men. We can trust him today. Don't lose heart. Stand in faith. Trust in God and see him do the impossible in your life. Let's give God a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll bless the Lord this morning. uh, We're going to take an offering this morning. We're going to have one person from each car uh, come out with a mask and a uh, a Tyvek suit and a space suit and a helmet and you can come out of your cars and the ushers will direct you where to give as you come. A worship team's going to come back and we're going to play one last song. When we're done, we want you to drive around front, wave, say hello. We want to see you. God bless you today and we'll see you again very soon.